0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today we're going to be talking about the food sector and how an entrepreneur has migrated away from the tech industry and applying a lot of those skills that she learned into the food sector. So with me today is Sarah Goodman. She is the founder of Chiwis, a exciting food business that's just sprung up out of the West coast of BC. So welcome to the show, Sarah.
1: Hi, stoked to be here.
0: And so I said, just pop up as if it's just kind of like, like sprouted organically from the shores of, of uh, BC, but obviously there's a lot of work that goes into a startup and you've got a lot of experience having a few different ventures under your belt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've done uh, a lot of different things. Each one is kind of compounded to provide the skills to have made chiwis as seamless ish as possible but i would even say like working bars in bars and whistler and working with people and, and having to multitask like everything i feel like i've done has helped mold to like make this as successful as possible so Just i appreciate all, all right here right yeah now. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So uh, before we get into the business, why don't we hear a little bit about um, some advice, I guess, that you might be able to give to people who are listening here today. So as you know, our audience are all entrepreneurs. So what would you say are three key things that every entrepreneur needs to know uh, based off of your experience?
1: First, I think you need to know people who have been in your shoes before that you can reach out to and get advice from i've always surrounded myself with people who i admire who you know first you might not know them very well but then you like i've wooed a lot of people they're now my either advisors or investors or friends and i have that support and i can go to them and just be like shit this is happening i really like need some help um so i think that having that is the most important as an entrepreneur because it could be lonely and sometimes your friends just don't want to hear you bitching with everything. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> or, second, or even understand, right? I mean, that's one of the yeah, biggest yeah, yeah, challenges. Yeah. Is if they're not entrepreneurs, it's really hard for people to relate.
1: Yeah. And I think the second thing is to know your margins. Um, yeah. You know, in food, especially, I think that a lot of people start with uh, a recipe they really love or something that people tell them they should sell. And then they go to a farmer's market. They sell it for a specific amount because they, they think that is what I should sell it for. And then when they want to expand and go to grocery, they learn, uh uh-oh, like the distributor wants this like 25%, the broker wants 5%, the retailer wants 35%. Like, what do you have after that? Does that price work out? Like I started and I, I learned all of that and tried to base my product off of having a 40% margin, at least for us. So learning your margins, knowing them, um, like obviously prices of things will fluctuate. Like we've seen recently, everything getting more expensive, but if you have, if you, if you know those numbers, like you will be more set up. And then I would say knowing your capabilities for growth and your runway, hmm. because you're only as good as your cash flow. And if you know that you can grow at a specific um, speed, then go ahead and do it. But if you you need to be very smart about it, um, or else you'll be taken out.
0: Yeah, and and that's an interesting one that what I imagine you probably learned a lot of that from the tech world uh, that you were in uh, previously, right? Because a lot of Uh, businesses outside of that rapid growth of the tech industry tend to um, I guess not really think about it as much or or place as much importance on that because it's oftentimes a little bit more of a measured growth for a lot of businesses and then when things do really scale up they don't understand that key part of it right
1: yeah well so I've brought a really I brought a different mentality to food and it's had a, a pretty good reaction from people like I like I said before, I, I actually didn't want to go to farmer's markets. I wasn't interested in it. I wanted to, I thought that my product, which we'll, I'll explain in a minute, but it was was very simple and easy to understand. And if I presented it in a brand and package that looked like it was a giant company, people would buy into that. And um, I I don't want to grow like 100% year over year. I want to go big. Like I have big plans for this business and my yeah. investors and my team all know this, we're like, we have distinct goals. You know, we'll be at a like 700 percent growth this year because we like know what we can get to. But uh the tech mindset is it's definitely shaken things up a little bit. Like this industry moves pretty slow. And I'm just like, mm, I think we can do faster. Like, can we do faster? <laughs> Let's do faster. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so like it, as entrepreneurs, definitely. everyone's also very like, maybe. I I know a lot of entrepreneurs and we're all so impatient. Like, yeah. come on, can't you work? Can't you do more? Um so. Yeah, I I think that it's definitely been different for like our partners to work with us that have been in the industry for a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. And it's really interesting. And we'll get into that a little bit more, just that uh, the differences and how you've been applying a lot of the lessons that you learned along the the tech world side of things into into food and, and how you're kind of shaking up the food model a little bit. Um, but speaking of the food, speaking of the product, uh, I've got a bunch of samples here. So thank you very much for sending these out uh, in advance. And so tell me a little bit about the product, uh, what I guess inspired you to create it and, um, you, you know, how you're approaching things a little bit differently.
1: Sure. Uh, so my company is called Chiwis and we have like some pretty great values. We value delicious, healthy snacks. Uh, and really we don't even market our snacks as healthy. They're just delicious fruit chips that use upcycled fruits and use as much of the fruit as possible, including the skin and the core and the rind, which are all very edible and nutritious. Like, so they are t- snacks that taste awesome, but, and are healthy, yeah. um, yeah. I I used to make kiwi chips for like the past 10 years for outdoor adventures and backcountry touring. And I live in Squamish very much. We're always outside. And I would always hear people telling me while I was in tech, like, oh, these are so cool. I've never seen them before. Like just thin slices of kiwi with the skin on that were dried till they were crispy. They'd start like a chip and then turn to kind of candy in your mouth. And I didn't think anything of it until like seven months before I left my role in tech I was like what am I going to do? I need to do something else. What can I do? I love building product. I love marketing. I I just wonder if I could build something out of this snack I like so much. And I just did on the evenings and weekends tons of research like competitive analysis. Uh not I was like they don't exist. They don't exist out there. Could I do it? And I went even to like the length that I made uh I went on 99 designs which is a you can compete, have a competition, graphic designers from all the world will compete for this like goal. And so I had someone design or had a contest for a temp, like a bag yeah. and I thought it was the coolest bag in the world. And I had a hundred printed in China and sent to me and I would make the chips at home, put them in the bags, heat seal them. I got a heat sealer and would take them on hikes and stuff and tell my friends, I got them at Whole Foods and see what they thought. And <laughs> then they would never tell, like, people would just be too nice to you. If you are, if you have a food product, do not just ask your friends what they think. They'll never yeah. tell you it's awful unless it's like super bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was like my first market testing, which even went to like the length of, giving people the product and having their husband's kids wives uh, open it on camera. So I could see what yeah. they thought. And it, it said Kiwi chips huge on the bag and people would open it and look, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, it's Kiwi. And I'd be like, damn it. like <laughs> it's, We're not there. And that's why there's pictures of the fruit all or the chips all over the bags now. But yeah. um, even like I, I did a lot of consulting when I was leaving tech uh, with like food industry veterans to learn about those margins, to learn about how everything works. And I bought this bag again—that we Nine Nine Designs bag. Thought it was so cool. And my one consultant was like, "Go into the store where you want to be and put your bag on the shelf. Take some pictures of it." At different place, different stores. So yeah. I did that, and I was like, "Man, this bag sucks! Like, it's so bad." <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I worked what, with another. What a uh, great
0: piece of advice, though! Like that is a really, oh yeah, that really was one really of the
1: best ones advice. actually, because yeah. people put so much time and money into designing these things, yeah. and then you you think it's great, you have tunnel vision too you see, yeah. seen like all these different ver- versions of like the uh, mock-ups from your designers. But until you go put that thing on the shelf beside where your competitors, you're not going to know. And it was, and then, and also don't ask the stores if you can do it. <laughs> I got told no so many times that I was just like, Nope, I'm going in and I would just put them up real quick and take some pictures, and just get the hell out of there. Yeah, um, yeah. but those helped so much. That was one of, like learning about the margins from, from this consultant. That was amazing. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I was only confident that I could do it once I learned all of that. And that's when I left my role in tech and which I'm still on the board of that company and I love them, but, uh, this is like my baby.
0: Yeah. Your passion. That one,
1: that one was something I helped grow, which was great.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, so I'm holding up right now. This is the peanut chips, which is, uh, um
1: so it's pineapple but pineapple, but pineapple right? doesn't yeah. fit on the front of the bag.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you got <laughs> chunks of it. Um and so I also love on your website it's uh front and center all natural all the time, no junk added ever. And so and and again on here it's a super fruit snack. I love love the branding there of just really placing it into this super healthy category, 100% natural, no added sugars, no added oils. Um, and so what, what is in this then is it, it's
1: just pineapple, just it's pineapple.
0: Just fruit. That's it. Oh yeah. That's let me open it. this thing up and taste it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like you can feel good about eating it. And there's also just like so much more nutrition. Cause we, so those pineapple chips have the core included. So no waste there yeah. and the skin on them as well.
0: Really? And the they're... core, the core is included as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We don't throw out the core. Oh, wow. Okay. Those ones are the crowd pleaser.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Really sweet. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And there's the nothing added there.
0: Yeah. yeah, The burst of flavor is amazing.
1: And if you crush those up and put them on top of anything, it makes them, it makes it better. And we also, when we did a little, like when we moved into wow. our facility where I am right now, we did a little launch party and we crushed them up in like a magic bullet. And then we rolled or rimmed glasses in honey and then rolled it in the pineapple chunks and made margaritas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I couldn't wait for the show. You sent these out a couple of weeks before we're recording here and so I did bust into the kiwi tropical version so this was your second one then I think you said right that you created the second yeah the
1: the original kiwi just kiwi chips and that that one the tropical mix were out in February of 2021 and then almost a year later I knew I wanted to expand the line to have non-kiwi flavors because people can be allergic I didn't want to I don't want anyone who to be thrown off of the brand just because of Kiwi. Yep. So we launched mango chips, pineapple chips, and orange chips, all with like the skin and like the orange chips of the rind that are fully edible. Those are also very good in drinks, but they're great on their own as well. Um, so now we have five and we have two in R&D right now.
0: Yeah. And like, I'm just shocked that you include the skin in in all of this and then the core and, and that. like hey, so they don't that's... have to throw it out. Yeah, that's, that's great. And then also the fiber, uh, it shoots up the yeah. fiber, right? And a lot of the nutrients in a lot of these different uh, foods are in the, in yeah. the actual skin, right? So the kiwi so actually
1: fantastic. like 50% of the vitamin C lives in the skin.
0: Yeah, people throw it out. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So now what I really loved about this, I mean, you must have this all the time. And I don't know if you have some recipes for it, but uh, for cocktails, throw in a couple of these into cocktails. And so I was having on the weekend, nothing crazy. I was just having some, some good old Canadian whiskey with uh, a little bit of, of, uh, uh, ginger ale and pressed. And then I threw in a couple of these into it and it's just like, it turns into this no really infused drink. Right. It is just incredible. So That's I, the I first don't know. Time I've
1: heard that. Oh, really? I've heard a lot of other drinks, but never that. Yeah. We'll have so, uh, we have a lot of them. We're about to pair or do a, a partnership with a, with a spirits company. And know like, um, a pre-made cocktail company, uh, yeah. just because yeah, the or- people just love the oranges so much, uh, in cocktails, but that's yeah. Cool. The, okay. Whiskey, the, never the, thought of it.
0: Yeah. And the food service, like on the, the bar side of things, I would imagine that that could get a lot of traction there as well. So yeah,
1: we're just getting in that side just that vertical as well. Now.
0: Yeah. Really cool. So, so anyway, everybody, they, they taste really good. So I've got <laughs> two of the, of the five, I think, right? Five flavors that you have right now. Yep. And, uh, and both of them are just, just really like, it, what amazes me is just the flavor. Like, um, I've had dried fruit before and it's just like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. somehow you lose that flavor, but these ones are, it's it just really is there. It pops as soon as it starts to activate yeah. from the moisture in your mouth, I guess. Right.
1: I hate when, whenever we have like street teams or, or, or people doing demos that like, yeah. just recently started happening. Cause everything's been during COVID. I was yeah. like, don't call it dried fruit. Just call it like chips. Like it's not the same. Dried fruit tastes so bland. And like it's that squishy, like brown. And yeah. there's the kind, like like those really like amazing mango slices that are uh, from the Philippines. Like they're just full of extra, like they dip them in sugar. Like it's, that's why. And there's preservatives. That's why it's so bright. <laughs> but we actually, we have co-manufacturers. And we manufacture right by the farms where the fruit is actually grown. So there's no travel of this fruit. Everything's done like at the perfect ripeness. And so that's yeah. how we keep like the color. And it tastes fresh. It's just so different than dried fruit. So I'm always very hesitant, even talking to, um, like large grocery stores they are like, ah, oh, it's like kind of a new category. Where do we put you? And I'm like, into the like natural snack zone, not by the dried fruit because it's not yeah. the same. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably one of the challenges that you have, right. Is that you're fighting against that uh, bad experience that a lot of people have with it or um, unhealthy experience with dried fruit, really the, the, the rest of the competition. And so I love that you're repositioning it as a chip and really just owning a new space. That's really yeah, smart. Trying to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really smart. So, okay. So uh, getting back into the business side of things then, so you were working at the tech, company. Um, you were still doing that. It took four months as you were kind of like on the side of your desk building this new company, doing the R&D, but also doing a lot of just really trying to understand the food industry. And that's something as well that I think is really interesting because a lot of people will jump into Things really quickly they have an idea and then it's just like oh yeah i'm gonna go go off and figure it out but you took the time to really methodically it sounds like uh do the research and really understand like you said the margins and then also the manufacturing side of things and um so does is that something that came from some of your experience in other businesses that you have had before because i think when before we hit the record button you named off four or five businesses that you now have been involved with over the years um so where did that come from? Is that just naturally who you are? Or was that a learned thing?
1: Uh, honestly, I don't think it's actually who I am. I'm quite impulsive and like to do things very quickly. But I think that when I was like, I've got to do something else. I wonder if this could be a thing. I wasn't sure. And so it kind of became, became just a little project. And I was like, this is fun. This is fun doing this 99designs thing. This is fun looking into it. I'm not working eight hours a day just researching i'm just having fun with it whenever and it kind of snowballed and it wasn't until i was kind of confident that i i was like yeah i'm out i'm gonna go do this thing and i um like got a loan bought a couple of um commercial dryers and this had like the smallest corner of a space in squamish a commercial kitchen space and i started manufacturing and it's very different when you do it in your house with like a nine tray dehydrator to these like yeah. big <laughs> expensive machines, yeah. um, and I, I had distribution. I had met somebody who ran a distribution company in in BC, and they loved the brand, and so they took us on right away. Which is not something like when I did the consulting, I was told you get yourself into like a hundred stores, and then you go to a distributor and you say, hey, I've proven myself. Will you take me on? And this this I did a course. This was still while I was in tech. I did a how to get your product on retail store shelves course. And yeah. the owner of this distribution company was speaking and he said his email at the end. So I emailed him after I'm like, hey, man, this is my story. This is the packaging. It was the blue and green one that you see now. Um, I know that I was like, I know the deal. Let me get into 75 to 100 stores in the lower mainland. And would it be cool after that if I reached out to you? And he was like, Sarah, it's pretty evident you come from tech and marketing because like nobody has a bag that looks like this when they start. And I've never seen anything like it, so we'll take you on right away. Which was uh, my first huge stroke of luck. Um, that doesn't happen to many people, and I realized that. The yeah, second, well, so thing, okay,
0: well, but wait a minute. Now yeah. you're you're calling that luck, but that doesn't really seem like luck because you were setting things up very specifically from the start. You weren't going with the, you know, the brown, organic-looking packaging, <laughs> you know. Uh, you you were going with something that was much more professionally designed right off the the, the hop right so yeah why did you do that to begin with Why why did you not take the the farmer's market route and the more wholesome granola crunching well,
1: honestly selfish reasons I like my weekends there's no way in hell I was going to a farmer's market every weekend like definitely not <laughs> I love it I'm an I active it. person and I'm just not spending my time doing that yeah. um I do think that if you have a product that's very hard to understand or it's a new type of thing, like if I was the first ever kombucha brand, yeah, damn straight, I would be at that farmer's market because I would have to tell people over and over what this is. They're not just going to pick it up off the shelf. Yeah, These are very simple products to understand. And I also come from a a tech company with did tons of digital marketing experience. And I was like, do I do a farmer's market or do I just spend some money on digital ads with some, some nice imagery and get it on people's phones to see that they want to try. And for the first, you know, till inception to now has been COVID. It's still COVID. Um, and only until a few months ago, were we able to do demos or anything like that? Like I, yeah. it was really frowned upon for me to even go into the stores and be like, hi, I'm Sarah, the founder of Chini, like to the store manager. They're like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> pandemic. What are you doing here? Um, so I just wasn't interested in going that route at all. And I, yeah, I had so many people being like, nope, you need to get um, feedback about your products. You need to get feedback about your, your packaging. And I just was like, it's so simple. And I think I got it. Like I did testing. So that's kind of like where I I don't know. And also, yeah, I just was not doing it. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do that
0: yeah so that was the reason why you didn't go into the farmers' market and then because you weren't able to um, you know kind of go into the stores and do all that stuff, you really needed to rely on the digital ads and everything which is all about presentation and packaging I would imagine right yeah. so that must have been the driving force behind really just locking that down first
1: yeah and again, I feel lucky that when so I have this distributor I'm in this space trying to figure out these machines and make and I, I tell the distributor, Okay, good to go. It's just me. Let's start with really small stores. And two days later they call me and they say, Whole Foods is your first account. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> fuck me. Yay. <laughs> but no, yay. Um and that again does not happen. People were wait for years to get in there. So I feel whenever I tell people that I feel a little bit like I'm boasting and icky. But yeah. um yeah. No, again, I-, I don't think
0: I, well, okay, so now I want to break that down a little bit, right? Because I, I I totally get it. It's like, holy shit, what just happened? Because now I have volume that I have to produce. And I'm just trying to figure the machines out probably at that point. But yeah, yeah so why? What kind of feedback did you get? Why was it that Whole Foods, like you said, they don't usually do that. Uh, you need to get into some other stores, get a little bit of traction first. Why did they jump all over this as your first big account? <laughs>
1: I don't know. <laughs> I,
0: I was expecting you to have have stuff like, yeah. So we did this post purchase research, and this is what I discovered.
1: No, they've been the best since we started. I obviously love them. We're about to launch into Whole Foods National, um, but in, but it's in gotta, January. But
0: it's got to come down to the package. It looks. Yeah, I think it was it the like packaging. You together, right?
1: I think it's the packaging. I think it's that we're fr- yep. we're local. I think that it's like we're woman certified, women owned. It could be a bunch of different things. It's most likely, the packaging. And they didn't have anything like it on their shelves. Yeah. Um, but once I had that, I was like, okay, all right, I can do this. I can do this. And I remember putting their order together. And I was like at in this kitchen for 14 hours a day. I'm not I'm not a kitchen employee. I'm not like a warehouse person. I am good at different sides of things, but I'm in there and I'm just like having friends help, having my fiance at the time, like help. I'm just like slice kiwis, like go, go, you're not doing it fast <laughs> enough. Um, and then I would not be getting consistent products. It was just like such a pain in my ass. But I got the orders out and then like all of a sudden COVID happened like a month after. And we are, the store list is growing. I had like 60 stores like off the bat and I totally used COVID to my advantage. I was like, I thought to myself, Hey, if whole foods national comes on or if like I have all these stores and we're it's very successful and we have a 5,000 case order out of everybody together, which like could have happened. Uh, I would never be able to produce it this is a stupid business this is a shitty business that I've made uh, I it's not like I need something scalable and so COVID happens and I was like oh my god like distributor Whole Foods like pandemic and they're like pandemic and I was like I need to pause for a second just figure out some stuff and they said yeah Cause everyone's just like I don't know what's going on and I spent five months doing R&D with co manufacturers around the world, which was actually awesome during a pandemic because I didn't have to go there. It was just like we'd yeah. zoom and we'd get samples back and forth. And it was, I, I had, we had snacks coming to our house from like all corners of the world during the beginning of the pandemic. And I ended up finding my like top co manufacturers that could make the products better than I could, that could scale quickly. And then I launched, I was supposed to launch in November of 2020. Uh, 2020. And I had, like a 500 pound order of kiwi chips coming in our first one. And I made such a huge deal, but on social media, still, still just me on the team. And I was like, yeah, like five days, four days, three days. And I remember uh, it arrived at the co-packer I was using in Vancouver. And I, t- I, I called them. I was like, Oh, how does everything look? They were like, great. looks so good. I was like, sick. I'm coming down. I'm on my way. I go in there and I take like one look at these chips and I was like, they're not right. They're not right. Oh, no. uh, and they were like, they it was my co-manufacturer's first time making them at scale too, and they had used kiwis that weren't ripe enough, and they over dried them. They tasted like warheads, like they were so sour. <laughs> um, and I just, just I called the the manufacturer, and I was like, "Oh my god, guys, like they're not right." And I didn't have a contract in place with these guys. We had been working together to develop this for a while. Uh, yeah, have contracts, but but this worked out. Like, more luck. Um, they were totally took ownership. They took ownership fully, and they were like, okay. "Sarah, we're so sorry. It's our first time too." we can redo it for you, but we're so busy with Christmas coming up that we can't redo it until to have it to you until mid-January. And so that's why we ended up launching in stores with the, the green one and the blue one in February of 2021 because that little like mess up, but that's when we launched with the ability to scale. So that first year, like in our last year that we were in stores, you know, it was just me again, uh, working with a distributor, Uh, there was a broker in house there, but yeah, we did like 125,000, which was fine. Uh, And then this year, just six months ago, I hired my first employee and we are a team of five now, a couple part-time and three of us, I just, I'm onboarding my new operations manager just this week, but, uh, and we'll do like 800,000 this year.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. Way to go. Yeah.
1: So like we have a, and and I have some transparent goals with this. I want to grow it we hit 30 million a year and then sell it and then do something yeah. else and yeah. i want everyone to cash out and i want everyone to go do something that they really want to do in their dream and for us to all yeah. own puppies and y- yards
0: <laughs> <laughs> really cool so okay so so tell me what are the biggest things that you're able to draw from the uh, the tech um you know experience that you have there in a tech startup that you're able to apply here that is very different from what the rest of the food industry i guess is used to
1: Oh, the top, top thing is fundraising. Yeah. So I come from tech. I've seen pe- I've seen companies raise so much money pre-revenue, like just no traction. And I learned like I pitched our tech company so many times. And it, like pitching a, a tech company as like a young-ish blonde person sucks. It sucks. And <laughs> even though we had tons of revenue, people would be like, Cool idea, little blonde girl. Um, and I don't know, I developed maybe like a bit of a harsher exterior and thought towards um, fundraising and pitching to investors. And it was so funny because when I, I started posting on LinkedIn about Chiwis and I'm still very connected in the tech industry and people would be like, Oh, like people who I pitched to like so, so long ago uh, who said no a lot. were like, Hey, what are you doing? And I would talk to them and I wouldn't be pitching them. I would just be telling them about it. And you would be like, Oh, are you raising money soon? And I was like, maybe I am raising money soon. And so, um, I ended up like I kn- I've pitched so much I've created hundreds of pitch decks and so I was like fuck it I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pitch deck together and yeah. we already have traction I have goals I I know the information I think I need to know uh, but I'm gonna come at it really differently than I ha- did in the past I really felt like I had something to prove in tech And this time I'm like if you if you like it cool if you don't I don't care um, and I have raised almost a million dollars on my for this business in two rounds and I did really like approach it as this is the product or this is me. This is what I've done. This is the product. This is why, this is what I'm going to do. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. People are like, okay. Like I kept on during the, the first, both rounds, it was all done at my home office because it's been COVID. So again, didn't have to wine and dine. It's really great. Um, <laughs> I, I, like my husband, my now husband, who was my fiance back then, he, he went like he was around the whole time during tech and he would see me so defeated and I would be pitching and we used to, we used to live in a place uh, at the beginning of COVID where we shared a big long uh, IKEA countertop desk. So he was beside me, and he would hear. He would hear. He like knew my pitch. Yeah. And but sometimes he's like, I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna go sit on the couch, and I would finish this pitch. I would pitch for like ten minutes, very casual, having conversations, and someone would just be like, Yeah, sure. Like, Yeah, okay. And I would run out of the room and be like, What is happening? Like, this is so. Funny. <laughs> and I think that people had maybe even a FOMO because of smart suite and like how that happened. And they, they exited for, you know, 375 million after four years, um, they grew from zero to a hundred million in revenue a year, like pretty fairly quickly. And I remember Tara Bosch, the founder speaking at this, um, event that I was, it was actually my last ever pitch competition that I was a finalist for, uh, in Vancouver. And she was, she had won it before and she was on a panel. And I remember her talking about, um, one year for smart suites, they had projected 400 K in revenue and they did 16 million. And, <laughs> what? and this wasn't when I was like, I must do food. Like, it, you know, you'd yeah. think it would be, but I was, I was just like, huh, that's so interesting. And that she said it was all due to supply chain and being able to manage that growth. And that's kind of how I've now structured things. And so I've raised money to be able to get us to a certain point where we are like, we probably won't need to raise again for like a year and a half, two years. But at that point, we'll we'll be at like a, a much higher revenue if we continue yep. on this growth rate. Yep. But uh, fundraising, honestly, like I have so many new founders coming to me for advice, which I love to help and give because uh, it's now becoming a lot more common to raise on a specific kind of document that was very much a tech document. It's called SAFE. It was started by Y, y Combinator. And I raised on two of those and I didn't put a valuation on my company. It's a valuation, a future valuation. It's a valuation cap. So I didn't have to be like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to raise like X amount and give away this. I know it's on me now to build the company because our next round is a, is a cash round, a series A. If we don't get to like 3 million of annual revenue year, I'm giving away more of my company than I want to. Yeah. Um. So it a lot more people are doing that now. And I've helped coach a lot of people in how to present this information in a way that isn't overwhelming. And in a way that like actual investors who are now interested in consumer packaged goods and food and stuff will be attracted and like want to bite and buy yeah. in. Um, it's super fun to do that. I absolutely love it. I, I hope that I can make make it with Chewies and then create a fund and just help people and and do that kind of thing. It would be so fun.
0: Yeah. So you you touched on uh supply chain management as being, you know, the critical for for this person's growth when they went from four hundred thousand to fourteen million, I, I think is what you said, right? Is what the, the projection uh
1: difference. Yeah, four hundred to sixteen.
0: To sixteen million, yeah. yeah, and and so like that part of it, like, just scares the crap out of me when I hear that kind of thing. It's like, oh my god, yeah, like supply chain management in the food industry, like this would yeah. be absolutely insane to try to manage that level of growth. So, what like are you it. doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, like, what are you doing at this stage, right, to prepare for something? It, that's going to be quite a bit larger than maybe what your projection is. How do you actually, and, and maybe what advice did she give at the time when she was given that speech, as, as to 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 manage that, to think through that? Because you have to be not just a couple steps ahead, then as the founder, you have to be like jumping way yeah. far out there ahead I, I to really figure out how to scale that.
1: We're like I'm working backwards from my goal, basically, yeah. and where we need to be. And um setting up systems that will allow that to happen. I also have a few members from the Smart Suites team on my advisory board and investors. So I awesome. ask them, like, I their operations manager is my operations advisor, and she's the one that took them from a hundred thousand a year to a hundred million a year. Yeah, you know, she worked huge. at Starbucks and Lululemon, and like, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. Surround yourself with people who have done it because they're going to help you, like, with a bunch of missteps. Um, I, I think just your partnerships, who you work with is really important. And then understanding your, again, like understanding your costs and where you can outsource and where you can't and, and, and what it looks like. So what, what is it going to look like when we're at 20 million? Yeah. Will we be able, like, wh- will we have to have a facility somewhere else? Will we just, I, It it's so much. And like, so I have this um, hyper experienced operation manager that just started and you know it's for me I, one of the things about entrepreneurship is you uh you know you you're the one that's doing everything in the beginning like i've had my hand in every single part of the business yeah. and sometimes i also have this lean mentality too where i'm like ah like do i need someone to help or like can i just do it all myself and i have these advisors who are like no <laughs> don't you need to do other things um so i'm handing off a bulk of the like operational planning forecasting all of that to somebody who's so experienced and is actually like my complete opposite. Like I'm so big picture and I do think in in those huge like views, but they're like methodical and uh, have like these, this detail oriented view and can help already. He was like, he's totally changing our space and making things more, um, you know, like our operations faster and where can we save money? Where can we put things like all these things that I don't even think about. Uh, So delegating has been like the main thing that's been really hard for me because i'm just like ah. and also with raising money and seeing seeing the tech industry i saw so many tech bros raise like cajillions of dollars and then just spend a ton on dumb shit yeah. and i've been really careful with with our spend i know how much stuff costs and to give you, a, to give you a, an example um i wanted to redo our website i was like i'd love to have someone local do it i'd love to hire somebody locally and I start reaching out to people. I've built websites before, but like I want something real good. And I'm getting these quotes for like 150K for websites. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes. Are you serious? There's just no way in the world. Why? And I know that big companies will be like, oh yeah, sure. It's going to be high quality. We'll just pay that. Same with like marketing agencies, marketing agencies and PR firms. I swear like, nope. Like that kind of stuff. There's just so much they can take your money. If you have someone running your, running Google ads, you can put as much money in there, in there per day. It's going to spend it all. Like if you're just doing things frivolously, it'll all go and your runway will be like super depleted and you might be totally screwed. Um, I'm not like that. I'm very, very, very lean and like careful because I I, even being everything in a pandemic, I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I what I was told by one of my investors who actually comes from smart suites is if you you should always have three months of your full expenses in your account at Mm -hmm. all times, like just to, to be sure.
0: Yeah, and I and I think it's really interesting. I think those people who have started their businesses in a pandemic, and I've also heard this like as well in a recession. So the pandemic was weird because there was it didn't create a recession for some, like it didn't disrupt, it actually enhanced certain industries and so on. Uh but generally like in a recession, the companies that are started in recessions tend to actually become much more profitable sooner. And it's I think it's because of exactly what you're talking about. there's a little bit more of a focus on cash flow, and there's like a nervousness about spend and so it's just that little extra critical thinking or analysis that's being done where it's like uh people have just been a little smarter so I mm-hmm. love hearing that and that must must have come though from some of the the startup bootstrapping that you've done in the past right would that be fair to say
1: um well, it's funny, like the last tech company we were always so lean like there was never like it was always on a shoestring um yeah. we like i feel well funded even though like it's as a venture that's growing like this like we're, we probably aren't but uh i've had a lot more rain to do things with this um i'm used to it being like extra strapped yeah. and i just i i don't know maybe i've i've always kind of been that way with spending like i want I love a deal. I love like, like, I don't want, I don't want to have to spend a shitload of money on these things. And, and I also share everything that I like, even like on packaging or so many different things I share with everybody I can, whoever asked me um, any of this information, because I want them to be able to be successful. Like the amount of money people have been telling me that they've been spending recently on things that are so not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know I I guess as uh, entrepreneurs we we have to have to really guard that cash flow, guard the cash um as as much as we possibly can. I mean, yeah. You can you can really lose the momentum, right? Um yeah. that you're trying to trying to gain. It, especially when you're talking about the growth that you, that you are uh, experiencing right now and that you want to continue to experience, right? Because things uh, it just everything multiplies up so much faster when you're in that growth mode. And it's so easy to lose track of it.
1: Yeah. I, you know, another, like, I keep on bringing it back to smart suites, but like what they did, they grew so fast, you know, hundred million a year is a lot of revenue. Um, they were in so many stores, but they raised, I think two rounds. Their last round was maybe 2 million. And after that, they just ran on their, on their cash flow, and they yeah. ran on um, like their margins and so yeah. we've been able to recently increase our margins due to like specific changes like moving into our facility and packing our product here um packaging prices has gone down a little bit we're we're trying to work with some big partners that are direct so that we get um like we're if all goes to plan we'll have a $250,000 order in the next like few weeks nice. which is great um but yeah i i'm just i'm always like just a little bit nervous <laughs> I, and I also I oh, healthy. I, I don't want to disappoint my investors. Like I I I really like all of them. They're all amazing, very hands-off. And like yeah. I just yesterday sent out my Q3 update, and I've tried to be like as transparent as possible with them. And I just I want everyone to win. So yeah. I'm yeah. gonna try to do everything I can to make that happen.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So okay, I'm I'm curious. Uh I'm gonna, gonna wrap up with one last question and then uh because we're getting a little longer in the episode. So If you had the opportunity to, you know, pen yourself a letter uh, at the beginning of either your very start of your entrepreneurial journey, uh, you know, those three or four companies previous or at the beginning of uh, Chiwis, what what would be in that letter? What would you be telling yourself?
1: You know what I said? I remember after I got off the phone with your colleague the first time when we were just doing the prep for this. What did I say? I was like I that was so stupid I think I just said like just fucking do it um, <laughs> yeah. I, um I like honestly I've loved winging it I've loved just like learning I probably wouldn't give myself any any points or any like uh initial feedback uh or like cheats I don't know it's like I've thought about that question after he asked me it a bunch of times but I don't, I don't know what I would tell myself
0: it's Great work. Just, Keep doing it. Like do it. have yeah. fun. It's <laughs> yeah. Like n-
1: nothing matters. Like just do it. Yeah. Just we're not Nike. Don't not just do it. Sorry. <laughs> Trademark. <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just uh, one of my lead investors had a they have a retreat. First time I've ever been part of something like this. They had a retreat at the four seasons in Whistler two weeks yeah. ago. And I got to go. And it was a whole weekend thing, all inclusive. It was crazy. And there was talks every day and workshops. And so CMO of Nike spoke or the recent CMO of Nike who was there for like a lifetime so I'm not biting you Greg um (laughs) but it was one of the most amazing like talks and workshops I've ever done it was felt like it was built for us I had so much inspiration from that but man yeah what a cool time but yeah sorry Nike don't not just do it
0: not not just do it but but I'm curious, what was some of the big takeaways from him then in terms of the the inspiration that you received from that talk? It was
1: just a lot around like storytelling and brand yeah. and how you come across and just a lot resonated because with this, it, it, it's a product, it is about the product, but it really yeah. isn't. It's about like, and what I'm trying to do here with this like goal of selling at a certain point to a larger player is they don't give a shit about the product. They're going to go make their own, but what mm-hmm. they are going to buy from us is our community and our voice and our brand and our right. messaging. And yeah. are, that's that's what we're trying to build. Yeah. And that's what Nike yeah. did. did you, have you ever like bought a shoe because you saw a, an ad? No, but you yeah. always remember those ads. You don't remember the shoes. Yeah,
0: well, and the way the way it makes you feel right. And 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 that it's yeah, for I I think you hit the nail on the head there with regard to the story. Uh, you have to really work that story in and you've got experience in marketing, you know how to do that um you're doing it with the branding you're doing it with everything every touch point right now and so yeah it, you're definitely going to hit your goals uh and see <laughs> why the investors were were so <laughs> excited about jumping in and and just throwing the money at you so this is really cool um <laughs> But uh, but we are going to have to wrap it up here. I, I do want to say thank you though for uh, spending the time sharing some of of uh, you know the things that you've gone through and some of the lessons that you learned along the way and and your story here. It's uh, it's something that is definitely going to inspire a lot of people and I think they're going to really love hearing about the way that you have applied some of the tech principles um, into the this new industry that you're in. Right, and so uh, this is one of the things that I think um, people who are who grow up within an industry and then, you know, spin out their own companies out of that. Um, They don't necessarily see the way that you can really shake things up a bit and do things differently. And that's what I love about how you went to a different industry and applied those principles. It's a really great lesson. So thank you for sharing.
1: Wow, that's nice. Thanks.
0: Yeah. So if anybody wanted to connect with you or get their hands on this incredible product, what's the best way to do so?
1: So we have a website. It's www.chiwis.co. Um and I have a personal founder Instagram that I share like good and bad stuff. It's just Chiwis founder Sarah. Sarah's with an H. You can send me a message there, like reach out at any time. If you're if you're trying to build something, you have any questions, like I'm always happy to help. And we have our our Instagram and TikTok is Chiwis underscore snacks. Um, but yeah, also if you want to buy Chiwis and have a discount, you can use the discount Chewies Love all one word in caps at our website and you get a discount and free shipping
0: awesome that's fantastic yeah so everybody you got to try these i i think that for food recipes you know throwing this onto food would be incredible uh throwing it into your drinks like i did was absolutely fantastic and then ice cream or yogurt oh yeah if you crumbled it up oh Yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah so i'm gonna go have some more uh <laughs> thank you so much again for sending these out and for spending the time with us and for those of you who enjoyed this episode head over to our archives at amplifyyourbusiness.ca it's where you're going to find all the rest of our episodes and of course uh if you're watching this and you prefer to just listen to it you can head over to your favorite podcasting platform and just search amplify your business and you're going to be able to find us there as well so thank you once again sarah really appreciate it and for everybody else i hope you have a Prosperous state.